0: The children from Cadder Primary School talk about the work that they've done on Every Tree Tells a Story. While Alex Mackenzie, a project coordinator from the Lost Woods Project, talks about their work to create a children's wood working with different primary schools from across Glasgow. Right, I'm going to start with introductions. So I'm joined here today by Marie Baker, who's the uh, head teacher of Cadder Primary. Hannah Sinclair, who leads on sustainability for the, for the school and also the children of Cutter Primary School, which is in Glasgow. And they're here today to tell us all about the amazing work that they've been doing as part of not only the run up to COP26, but also their involvement with Every Tree Tells a Story. Now, Mary, if I can just start with you. Um, it's great that you've been able to join the Future of Cities podcast today. We're really, really pleased to have you um, with us. Can you tell me a bit about the work that the school has been doing in the run-up to, to COP and your involvement with Every
1: Tree Tells the Story? Well, first of all, it's an absolute pleasure that CADRE Primary has been invited to come along to this podcast. So what a treat for us and what a pleasure to be able to use this as a platform to talk about the good work that's going on in the school. COP26 is incredibly important to us and we have highlighted it in so many different ways and learning opportunities for the children, but ultimately sustainability and looking after the environment is an incredibly part, big part of what we do within our school anyway. Um, we in our curriculum rationale have acknowledged that looking at sustainability and citizenship incredibly um, is a big part of what we want for our young people and the experiences we want for our children. The four capacities of Curriculum for Excellence mention responsible citizens and we're really passionate our school to promote and encourage our children to be responsible citizens, hence we have added that as one of um, the parts to our curriculum rationale, but also to our curriculum rationale we have thought about well, what can our children use and use their voice, encourage decision making and have an influence on those around us and we've encouraged our children to have an influence within the school environment, the local community, nationally, but also to realise that they have a global voice in amongst all this as well. So for us at CADR, in the northwest of Glasgow, we feel the children's voices can be carried and be heard in so many different places. We were very fortunate to be asked to pilot Every Tree Tells a Story and it was It came in and it was a bit of a treat. So when we looked at the criteria, we thought, great, because this is really it's something that's very central to us. We have looked at and promoted eco-school work for a number of years, so much so that I believe that we're on our fourth flag at the moment. So it's been a big journey to get to that. So that's the background to where the eco-work came from, and that's a criteria that we do still follow. However, we've taken that in a broader sense with regards to citizenship. Of how our children can get involved so when we were invited to be part of the pilot it was just so exciting because we were already starting to talk as a school plan within the teaching um, team about what we could do to promote these incredibly important themes and it gave us a focus because anything that we we're looking for and anything that we get involved in we're looking for a focus for the children's learning and how can enhance the children's learning So when this project came in, spoke to the teaching staff and thought yeah we can definitely do something with this and suddenly within the classrooms we were talking about how the trees linked in with the environmental work that we were doing and it gave us a focus for learning and that's what we're really keen to do is to make learning real in our school so the children have that connection with the learning. We already have done a power of work with regards to trees so much so that we've been planting trees now for about three years so we're looking and encouraging these trees to grow within our environment so we're very keen to promote that and it also gave us a chance to talk about the tree that's at the front of our school and i know that we're going to go on to further later on and hopefully you'll hear about this tree later on as part of what we want to share today but what we did is we brought together a book and the children from every class nurture primary one all the way up to primary seven they created something to contribute to this book, which meant that because it was a learning opportunity, it was used in so many different ways. It touched on literacy, it touched on STEM, it touched on maths, it touched on creative, and the creative arts of it all. And suddenly within this book, we've brought so many different areas of the curriculum together. And it was an absolute joy because when we started the book, we didn't know that's what was going to happen. But when we brought it, the evidence was there that talking about trees and talking about the environment is so incredibly important to our children, and their voice came through in the book. So that's what we did, and that was a project that we got involved in when we were asked to pilot and get involved in Every Tree Tells a Story.
0: Gosh, that's amazing. Um, That's truly inspiring. And why do you think it's so important to the children to be involved in these kinds of projects?
1: Our children have a voice, and it's that voice that needs to be harnessed. We've encouraged that for many years within this school, but we really are promoting that right now. We've got a number of committees within this school, and we encourage our children to use their voice during learning within the classroom. So harnessing that voice is incredibly important. So when we brought that book together, we were able to share the children's voice with the wider community. So much so that we presented it to the Lord Provost, who then shared it with others. And we've also been able to share it on social media, including our website, Twitter and Facebook, with others. And the comments we've had back about the project have been really positive and really encouraging. And those messages have been sent back to our children and shared with our children to know that when they use their voice, people do listen. And it does make a difference. So for us, this was another way of encouraging our children to use their voice, at a CAD at primary school, that's incredibly important. Now, Hannah, welcome to the
0: Future of Cities podcast. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your the work that you do in terms of leading on sustainability with the school?
2: Yeah, well again, thank you very much for inviting us um, to the podcast, it's a great opportunity for us to um, share all, some of the great work that we've been doing in our school. Mm. Um, So I lead the um, eco-committee, an eco-committee that we have to ensure that we are continuing to hold our eco-school's green flag award. Um, This eco-committee includes children across all stages, primary one up to primary seven, looking at environmental issues. It's their voice that's used in the discussions, the planning stages and the delivery of our strong message across the school, which is that we care about nature. We care about our planet and our community, and we will take action in the fight against climate change. Um, We are very privileged to have so much green space at Mm CADR, and our children have a real sense of the value in green space and being surrounded by trees. So um, in our eco-committee, we asked for more trees and plants so that we could create a garden space in our playground, Um, and the children asked for that because they wanted to to attract all types of wildlife, of which we have quite a lot already, um, plenty of foxes and Um, deer as well that the children get excited about seeing Um, but also they understood the importance of trees cleaning um, our air from carbon so there were some really great learning opportunities in that as well Um, we've recently just been successful in our application and we're getting 30 trees coming next month um, from tree appeals so we're going to have that and we'll be ready to get planting with that soon Um, and last month I took the eco committee to Cathkin Brays where we joined um, other Glasgow schools as part of a tree planting initiative Um, This was with the Lost Woods Company, and we turned a 13-hectare site into a woodland. The children just absolutely loved this experience, they were so empowered by it, um, and they got to share this with all of their peers, demonstrating that we were actioning some of the sustainable goals, um, the development goals, on climate action. So it was a really great opportunity, um, and something that we were excited to share um, back to our And I can remember
1: when the children came back from that, their enthusiasm was incredible. They had really enjoyed it and they were able to talk about the experience and then share it with others. I mean, it was very impressive yeah. how they... It was a super day for them all to be involved in. I know you enjoyed it as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so to be part of a bigger picture was just great, wasn't it? Absolutely. No, absolutely.
2: Um, I'm very passionate about nature myself, so it's where I spend a lot of my free time. So it just felt right um, that I was sharing this by leading my own class as well as the Eco Committee um, on a learning journey about connecting um, with nature. So, at the moment in my class, we're actually undertaking the RSPV Wild Challenge, um, and that helps, um, that's looking at both helping nature and experiencing nature as well. So, that's proving to be a fantastic way to link our learning in a meaningful way, um, as well as just quite simply being outdoors, which, as we all know, is very important.
0: So, what's that involved in terms of what have the children actually? Because um, I know over the last few terms, you've been doing an awful lot of work, haven't you, mm-hmm. in, in the run-up to COP? And and before that, as, mm-hmm. as, as Absolutely. Marie rightly Marie yeah. said. Yeah. So what specifically have the, have the children done um, as part of that work?
2: Yeah, so um, our actually our most recent event that we've just had um, is that we just planted the Queen's Canopy Tree as part of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Um, that was a fantastic opportunity for us, and we were so thrilled to be a part of it. Um, So our tree's been planted, pride of place, at the front of the school um, and we were so lucky to have the Lord Provost um, present which meant that we could then personally give him um, a gift of our tree stories that Mrs Baker just um, spoke about earlier. So that book was just, um, as she said, full of poetry and artwork um, from the children and it was really such a beautiful um, piece of work to hand over to say this is how passionate we are about our trees and this is what it means to us at CADR. Our children have also been doing things like um, making pledges, um, and we've been doing things like writing that on leaves, um, and that's been displayed across the school as well. So it's a really beautiful way to um, get that message across that the children
0: really do care um, about our environment. And I understand that there might have been one or two pieces of advice for world leaders attending COP as part of that as well, is that right? We've got some
1: very strong voices, we're happy to share that and I hope that the world leaders did hear us. I hope so. (laughs) Um, Yes, as I said earlier on the CADR voices are very strong and we're hoping those voices were heard.
0: I'm sure they will be listened to, that sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you Hannah, it was great to hear about how um, CADR primary are encouraging Um, the children's voices to be heard around climate adaptation and the broader work that you're doing around that. But I also understand from talking to you both that you also engage with the wider community on climate and environmental issues more generally. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, We are very, very proud to be promoting COP26, but in truth, we've been promoting the Sustainable Development Goals for a period of time now and that includes some of the family work that we've been very fortunate to participate in so one of the pieces of work that we've been doing within our local community is a partnership project with Lamb Hill stables who's just a mile or so away maybe not even that far i don't know um it's at the canal it's on postle marsh and it is absolutely fantastic to make those links with our local environment so for us as a school it's somewhere we can walk to and one of the projects that we've been involved in the last couple of years is the John Muir Family Award. And we're now in the third group of families going through this learning experience together. We've had one group last year who were successful in completing it. And again, we mentioned Lord Provost visited us quite recently. He presented those children and their parents with a certificate because we're so proud of them. And it's really good to have celebrations like that because that's celebrating people that have learned about the environment, have contributed to the environment. And we know that has a knock-on effect to the conversations that are going on within our families and within our local community. And that's what we're really looking for. We're looking to really power that voice and make some change. We've been able to run two groups this year for the John Muir Family Award. One group are our families who have English as additional language, and we've been working with the families using interpreters to help us to go along and get involved in these environmental opportunities. And we also have a father's group, and that's been great to have these daddies along with their children to take part in these different opportunities. But ultimately, it's all enhancing what we're doing as a school to really import, promote the environmental, local issue, how we can learn together and how we can have an influence within our local environment. But the knock-on effect, you know, nationally and globally, it's all going to come together. But we are talking about it within our local community.
0: That's amazing. And that must be instrumental as well in terms of um, starting conversations at home about the way in which families and, and um, relatives within the wider family network can also adapt and, and change change around climate change. So that's absolutely amazing.
1: Absolutely and you know we do, as I mentioned earlier on, we want to make learning real. So for instance when we give home learning tasks we try to make them as real as we possibly can but the conversations I've now had with the people that have been involved in the John Muir Family Award have been incredible and it's not just the children that are enthused. The parents that we are talking to, and the guardians that we are talking to, their enthusiasm and their opportunity for learning is quite amazing. And they've come back and told us about things that they didn't know. So we need to. We can't presume that the adults are already in the know and they're going to share it with the children. This is about learning together, and that's what ultimately our school community is all about. Because we are learning together. Every day is a new day, and we're all learning something different. But right now environmentally we're looking to promote that message incredibly so we're very committed to it
0: so i'm joined now by three children from caddard primary school Matea, jason and lean who are going to tell us all about their tree stories that they've been working on as part of every tree tells a story now if i can just have a quick chat to you matthia yes so can you Can you say hello to everyone and tell everyone how old you are? Hello everyone, my name is Lettia and I'm six years old. Can you tell everyone who's listening to the podcast today about your favourite tree? My
3: favourite tree is the plane tree in front of the school.
0: And why is that your favourite tree? Why is it so special to you?
3: Baby, because it makes me just so calm, and and, and it just really like like that tree. Baby, because it's just so big and so pretty. Different
0: shades of brown and yellows and reds and oranges. Oh wow, that sounds beautiful. Now I understand that you've had. The author is it Nicola Davies visit you to tell you stories. Can you tell me a little bit about that? We to keep our planted some children and we planted some And in a really little pot. Now Jason, can you hello. say every- hello to everybody and tell everyone how old you are? Hello everybody. My name is Jason uh, and I'm nine years old. Now can you tell everyone about your your favorite tree story? My favorite tree is an oak tree
4: because it's big and it makes me very calm and I just it just reminds me of how um trees are very good for the environment.
0: And what's going to happen to those baby acorn trees? They're gonna turn into big oak trees. Gonna turn into big oak trees and do you know at the moment where you're going to plant those those oak trees? I
4: don't know if they're gonna we can add more trees because the trees we have now are losing leaves.
0: Create your own school forestry. So what is your favorite tree, Lean? An apple tree. An apple tree? And why do you like the apple tree?
3: Because apples are healthy.
0: So I understand that, that recently you've been um, on a day out as as part of um, the school day and you've been out and about planting some trees. We planted very lots of trees. And What type of trees did you plant? Can you both remember? Spruce. Spruce so can you tell me anything
1: else about that day after school well i can remember from that day because when you all came back because you were all members of the eco committee i can remember you came back into this room and you had the biggest smiles and you were so proud of yourselves and you were all muddy but you would had a great day and mrs mrs sinclair your hair was all over the place because it had been so wild outside it was great you were so proud and remember you brought a gift back to the school what was a gift that what we What did got? you bring
4: back?
0: We
1: brought back a cherry tree. You
0: brought brought back a cherry tree? Yeah. And what did you do with the cherry tree? We planted it
4: in our and playground. Um, every day um, when I was like six years old, I would, uh, I would walk to school and there would be this um, big cherry tree that birds will eat on. There were so many little cherries that the birds would eat. And then um I'd like to look at them and then... They, um, there were like sometimes
1: there would be seven or four or five birds there yeah. I think you're right when you say that because our playground is so special to us with all the green space we've got and with the trees and the plants that we've planted now we're really encouraging wildlife and all these different animals to come and use our space just as much as the children aren't we? Gosh that's so inspiring, you do so much for the
0: environment so Matea can you tell me all about the really exciting lesson that you had outside where you were learning about the history of a tree. Yes, it
3: okay, is called a
0: plane
3: tree. It is in front of our school. But a long time ago, a man teached his students all about medicine and under a plane tree. Well, obviously in was not a plane tree um, in front of our school. It was just, uh, playing tree. And that name was
0: Hippocrates. And did you enjoy that lesson?
3: Yes, because
0: that lesson was was
3: all about that special training in front of our school. We got pictures of it. We, we took some pictures on on, on
0: on iPads, and and we have done too. Did you write about the tree? Did you write any stories about the tree? No, we, we, we were just drawing. You were drawing pictures of the tree. I bet those pictures were beautiful. Thank you so much. So I understand that in addition to all of this fabulous work that, that you've been doing as part of Every Tree Tells a Story, that you've recently attended some workshops. Is that right? Can you can you tell us a bit about those, Miss Sinclair?
2: That's right. Um, as the children were saying when we were at Caskenbrae, we'd um, we'd gone there to plant some trees. But after we planted the trees, um, we then went to um, some workshops. So the Glasgow Science Centre ran some workshops helping us to identify different types of trees. Um, and then there was some fabulous entertainment with storytelling and music, and the children were just really engrossed in um, the stories of the trees through different characters. Um, and it, yeah, it was lovely. It was a really lovely experience.
0: So children, did you enjoy doing that? Yeah. Yes. What was what was good about it?
4: Uh, how we um, planted the trees and uh, we wanted um, different Types of trees.
0: Learned about different types of trees. Wow, that's amazing. And what trees were you planting? Can you remember, Liam? A rubber tree
3: and some cherry
0: trees. And cherry trees. And how many trees did you plant? Can you remember?
3: Um, I
1: think twenty or twelve. Wow, that's a year. lot of trees. So, and that's school, that's the trees that we planted as Carter Primary School. But were there any other people there?
4: Um, there were um, lots more people, there were, um lots more schools
0: there. Wow, so it was a big event where they invited yeah. loads of different schools, did they? Uh, yeah. You must have really enjoyed that. I did. Uh, and I bet you came back very muddy because were you digging in the ground so yes. that you could plant the seeds, the trees?
4: There were, we had shovels, we had speeds and we and some of us and uh, we patented um, the ground down to smooth it
1: out. Wow. I'm but do you know something, getting muddy in our school doesn't hold us back because we've got Wellington boots and waterproofs so that when we go out for outdoor learning, we're always equipped. So we've got it, we're ready for it. That that sounds
0: absolutely brilliant. I bet you had so much fun. I wish I could have been there joining you that day. We're well, pretty
4: lucky to have um, like grass because other schools just have like a concrete playground and that's okay. all and we have um, a forest that we can play around with and lots of
0: grass and we also have an outdoor classroom brilliant so that's
1: helping to feed the birds in, in winter so we've got a bug hotel up at the back of our playground and we just know it's full of little insects in there but we leave them alone because they need to be able to live away but we created a space for them first
0: thank you very much mrs Baker, miss sinclair and the wonderful children of calder primary for telling us all about their involvement in the Every Tree Tells a Story project. In the next part of the podcast, we're joined by Alex Alex Mackenzie, who's been leading work with the Lost Woods Project to work with primary school children from across Glasgow to create a new urban forest. Welcome to the Future of Cities podcast, Alex. I understand from talking to the children at Cadda Primary, all about the fabulous tree planting they've been doing, that the Lost Woods have played a huge role in the creation of the The Glasgow Children's Wood. But also that you've been doing um, other work to create a documentary series um, for children in the run up to COP26. Can you tell us all about those projects?
5: Yes um thank you Claire, for inviting me along today. It's lovely to be here and telling you about um, the project and also more importantly about the Glasgow Children's Woodlands. Um, I'm Alex Mackenzie and I'm the project coordinator for the Lost Woods and I suppose to bring you back to where it all started, it started two years back in December 2019 when a group of friends and colleagues came together because we really felt passionate about connecting children to nature and helping them feel empowered to transform their environment more importantly, and also so that they had um felt that they had a part to play when it came up to the UN Climate Summit and then they felt they had a voice at the table and there and a a significant place. Um so we thought no better way than to encourage the glasgow children to grow a tree from seed and to experience all the wonderful learning that brings when they really have a little little slice of nature in their hands to nurture along and to kind of watch it grow and be kind of little see them from that vulnerable state of kind of a little acorn themselves and seeing the power of them kind of transforming into a kind of a little little tree and watching it grow and but also What we wanted the children to experience is that collective action. When we all come together, the power of that, the power of us working as a community and what magic can happen and how impactful that can be. And then you're really into the realms of true legacy. And that is what ultimately we wanted to bring. So, but the, the spark of the idea came from a story um I was reading it to uh, my daughter at the time, Ashley, who was seven. It was a book that was gifted to us about goodnight stories for rebel girls. There's a whole collection of stories of inspirational women through the history, through the ages. And there was a story there that blew me away. Um it was about when Gary Matai, who set, set up the Greenbelt Movement, and shamefully, I hadn't heard about Mungari nor the Greenbelt movement until this. So she was a Kenyan activist and I said what, how it all started was just a one page extract. And it was how village women in Kenya were facing all the effects of deforestation, you know, rivers and lakes drying up and walking miles and miles for firewood. And there was this simple and elegant solution. It was when guy was saying, we need to bring back the trees. But, you know, the Kenyan was like, okay, how many? And they were like, we need to, a few million, we might actually do it. And they're like, well, you're nuts, because where are we going to get a few million trees from? There's no tree nursery in um, Kenya that's going to have that. She goes, we're not buying them. We're going to grow them. So they went out into the woodland and they picked up tree seeds and put them into tin cans. And then when they were about a foot tall, they started planting them out. Um, And then that turned into the Greenbelt movement, which is planted nearly over 51 million trees across East Africa. And I was just, oh, my word, that was just blew me away because. It was the simplicity. It was the fact that these Kenyan women felt empowered to do it. It was resources that they had to hand. It was the fact they were working as a community. You know, there were women. It was the kind of, you know, it, it was the, it, it was, they weren't waiting for the powers that be to come to save them. They were just making it happen for themselves and, and working together to do that. I thought wouldn't it be amazing if all the Glasgow children had the opportunity to do that, to you know, be part of something like that and how impactful they would feel that we were including all the Glasgow kids no matter where they were in the city, no matter what their background was um, and that they felt that they could be part of something that was really meaningful for them in their city, that they were growing trees and that these trees could help to rewild their city. So that's what we did just before lockdown was send out 50,000 acorns to nearly 151 primary schools just before we were coming into our lockdown. That must have been an absolutely mammoth task. It was, it was, but we were all energised by it and we had lots of help and we just got on with it and it was great and there was such a buzz about it, but I think you know, not all the schools were able to take it on on the latter bit of our distribution run because the announcement came in from the Scottish government that, you know, things were closing down. The schools were having to close that end of that week. So schools that had to turn in the six months and start, you know, getting together all the home learning packs and sending them out the door. So they weren't really in a position to take on a, you know, bright new project. But in some of the cases where you know earlier on that when they had got the the packs earlier cuz we sent out the tree stuff the the tree acorns you know the um, all the resources for that and t- educational resources that they thought oh this was such a gift because they were able to It was what they used as a transitional object to send on with the kids as they were going home. Going, this is something that you can nurture while you're at home. Yes, it's troubled times, but you've got something to focus in on, and you can be looking after your wee tree. And when you come back, you can tell us how you got on, and you'll be a little bit bigger, and so will your little tree. So tell us how you, you know, how that how that happened, and how it was all experienced for you. So that was quite precious. So I there have been so many twists and turns with the project, but we just adapted as we went along. And then I suppose then through then kind of then near a year later, what we had initially hoped for was to kind of pick up the tree seeds before the summer term of March of 2020. We weren't able to get access to the schools until late autumn, you know, November 2020. But at which point, it all went a bit organic. It took a life of its own, which was beautiful because the trees were then seedlings were maybe gifted to friends and family. There was maybe a bit of gorilla planting going on. There was maybe, you know, so they were rewilding their school gardens or their communities with these little trees that they'd been nurturing on. And they had had them a little bit more longer to get more attached to their wee little trees. And what was lovely was when... Came to the planting and um, this coming up this October there when we managed to secure a 30 hectare site. There was some of that tree stuff came into the tree into that um, site and that was lovely to see it nearly two year on and um, how these trees have grown and how the children have become so much attached to their, you know, that whole journey and, and growing there on their wee trees and planting them in the Glasgow children's woodland. Um, and so that they could watch them grow forever more at this site. It sounds
0: like an amazing project and one that's going to have a really, really important legacy. And you can also hear that it would be, whilst it's not a small task to kind of coordinate this, this kind of project, especially across the lockdown, you can see how other schools might be able to do this as well.
5: Yeah, I think that's it. I think the real premise to all of this, and what I kind of mentioned about the story about Rengai Matai, it is to kind of, it's to kind of strip it bare, back to the bare bones, that it is, it is like what Greta Thunberg says, it's no one is too small to make a difference. And that is what kind of resonated throughout the project and was the kind of the foundations of the project because we wanted to make sure that the children got that ultimate message that they can have a part to play. They can do something like plant a single acorn into a cup, put a compost in, and it might seem like very small action. But then collectively, that's a big deal, because the big deal was that this, you know, this October, between the 4th and the 7th, We had 148 schools participate in planting up a 13 hectare site, which has 17,000 trees in the ground. Do you know, which can sequester nearly up to 6 tonnes of carbon, 6,000 tonnes of carbon throughout its whole lifetime. And it's a a children's woodland, which each school's got their own individual plots that's grid reference, but we're all connected. It's all connected. It's like as, as if it's been planted up like a map of Glasgow. And it's to show the interconnectivity of, you know, us, the woodland, nature and how our, you know, how our position is in it all. And I think it's that was what we wanted to kind of send out as kind of the, the key messages for the project.
0: It all sounds amazing. In terms of the education resources that you developed to help the children, can you tell us a, a little bit about those? Because I should imagine that particularly those children that um, were were planting and nurturing their trees during lockdown, those resources must have been invaluable to them.
5: Yeah, no, it, it was. I think, you know, I think what you were saying is like nature-based solutions like growing and planting and conserving trees is very important within the climate crisis and has a significant impact in tackling the crime crisis but what we wanted to show within the project is not to teach them in the abstract it was to kind of have a very kind of tangible real um impact with the children so they're physically planting you know a tree and not just planting a tree but they're watching it grow from that tiny seed do you know, much like themselves and it's to kind of bring it down to that level and to kind of see that when it goes to a foot tall, it sees changing its all its autumn colours and to experience all that. So all the resources that we did produce initially were all done by, you know, teachers and they were tied into the Curriculum for Excellence for Scotland. Um and they were classroom blights. Based, but a blessing in disguise with the global pandemic was that we had to change tack a bit and make the resources much more homeschool blended learning. So we brought in a lot more kind of video resources and they were less kind of academic and they're much more suited to, you know, parents and children's carers to kind of teach the children about what they were actually doing, you know, some practical solutions and care on how to, you know, look after a kid. Te- tree but also that what it means and the importance of trees but also is to show nature not as a standalone entity but as how it is quite multifaceted it's linked to many issues but is also you know how it You know, the natural world has influenced our language, our culture, our music, our art. And it's just layer all this other layers of interest for children to show that we are so much more interconnected into a natural world. You know, all the traditional um, Scots languages, Scots and Gaelic are all rooted into the natural world. And it's to kind of bring that to life and to show how connected we are, because, it's sad that there's so much research out there to show that children are quite disconnected to the natural world or to their environment for so many different reasons. So we're trying to make those bridges for the children and to show in it all its forms, you know. So it's not just nature standing there over in the corner. It is much more powerful than that and much more deep-rooted than that. And that's what we said. So we collaborated with a number of organisations to, to bring that to life and to also a number of creative artists so, for example, we've worked with um, The Promise Crew. They they developed a, a, a climate animated film called The Promise. And that was really good. We kind of developed a kind of bespoke Scottish educational content, which, you know, was book readings and uh, You know, to bring that story to life. It's an incredible story that was written by Nicola Davies. And again, it's, again, it's the kind of repetition of no one's too small to make a difference. We can all have that part to play to make that greener, fairer future. And it, it was to kind of show that in this, how it's set was, it's quite more like in a gritty, hard landscape. And there's this troubled soul that unbeknownst to her steals a bag of acorns and starts planting them around the city. And it's how herself and her environment and the people around there are forever changed by that and and then it's true that that's what we need to do is like Nicola in these days is like green needs to spread through the city like a song and it's to kind of show that to the children so when they came out in October yes they were planting their trees and we had all these incredible tree planter leaders from all the main environmental and Scottish agencies in Scotland coming to teach the children about biodiversity and what they were doing, the importance of nature-based solutions. But on top of that, we had a all-singing, all-dancing celebration of nature. We had Roebank Arts there, and it's all about positive imaginings. And it's a celebration because that's what it needs to be, because one of my big heroes is Mary Robinson. And She always says that hope brings energy. And if we're energized, then we want to get up in the morning and want to make a difference, you know, to our local environment. But if we're just, if the whole debate about climate crisis, particularly for children, is framed in dark and bleak terms, then, you know, it has that even that chemical reaction within our own brains. It just saps our creativity out and we will not want to be mobilized to what our new future is. And another thing that we collaborated with was the 2040 film by it was an Australian journalist Damien Gamion, and again, what that's that's a lovely, hopeful documentary piece about how we if we embrace all the climate solutions that we have today, what is our future looking like? Because it's, we do need to tell a different story. We need to tell the story of how we get getting there. What are the solutions? What is the vision? And the children need to see that and know the path that they're travelling on. And then they know that this generation has kind of got their backs as well, that we're here to support them and that their future isn't lost, that there is something to be hopeful about. And these are the small changes that we can make. The work around nature connectedness, if you look at all of that research,
0: it shows that children who are connected to nature at a really early stage are more likely to be continued to be connected to nature in some way throughout their life course and that will has a huge impact on their mental and well-being but then that gives us hope that in terms of those that need to take action against climate change in the future that these young people will be the very people that will do that because that's what we we desperately need don't we we desperately need more people to take action on climate change,
5: and I think what is really good is that, I mean, I was listening to some, you know, just during the climate crisis, I've been I was fortunate to go to some of the talks at the New York's Climate Hub, and there were some really good talks there, you know, with some activists around the world, and there was Mary Robinson and Ayotunde, and and it, it is like we need to make this a intergenerational dialogue, but. You know, sustainability and stewardship of land isn't a new concept. It was something that indigenous communities were doing way back when and what we were doing here way back when. And it's like sometimes we might need to look in the past to understand where, you know, to kind of inform us on our our future path as well. And that there's some lessons to be learned. And I think it's also inspiring that, you know, a story from Global South inspired us, the project to do this, you know, and it kind of takes the, turns power on its head a wee bit, you know, we need to put the power back into the communities and power to indigenous communities as well, because they have got something to say and something valid to say. So, you know, it's it's connecting people within the communities, but also there's a connection that we need to make with Global South to Global North as well, and what we can learn from from each other. And obviously, yes. with the global pandemic as well, you
0: know, all the research also shows that, you know, by spending time in nature, we're much more resilient yes. and much better able to deal with some of the challenges around. Um, in terms of the kind of wider benefits that the projects had for children, can you talk to us about, about those benefits?
5: I think. Um... The wider benefits, I suppose, is that we as a project, because of the global pandemic and because of the nature of the project being so vast, we had to reach out far and wide to develop that network of people. But there is that network of people who really want to make a difference. So it just made for a much more holistic package for what the children in the schools were getting, that it was a very well-rounded Benefit for, you know, the skills and the resources that we were getting, you know, because we worked with all the main agencies We you know, we worked with the council, with, you know, the education, with, you know, all their parts and development, you know, Glasgow Science Centre, Scottish Community Climate Action Network. We reached far and wide because we weren't saying ourselves that we had all the solutions we did. We had, you know, we've got the resources, we've got the skills, we've got it all sussed. We weren't, we were quite opposite. We were kind of like, we need help to do this. And I think it's to kind of show that vulnerable side, you know, for even children that we don't have it all sussed, but we're willing to put ourselves out there to try and make those connections to make this happen. So you can see it truly from the grassroots up and to also see it. It is a truly kind of a Glasgow citywide operation that is reaching far and wide and, and has the breadth of kind of even beyond the city boundaries as well so yeah that we're not insular in our operations that it is about community because you know in in order to guide my belief is that to get to that greener fairer future that we all need to strive to it it is all about community community is key so it is to kind of keep addressing and highlighting through that, through kind of storytelling and through our resources and through, you know, music and art. And, and it's just keep, you know, highlighting the benefits of being embraced within the natural world. And and it's like you said, it's that symbiotic relationship that, you know, you know, we need nature and nature needs us, you know, and it's to show that those connections to the children in all these different ways if you
0: look back in history like you were saying earlier you know people have always been connected to nature yeah, yeah. and i think that there's part of us that's lost that not everyone's lost that yeah, but yeah, yeah. we need to re we re- you're absolutely right we need to re-establish um those connections whether it be through projects like this or through learning about our environmental histories and incorporating those into the design of nature-based solutions but you know, the children in our cities, they're the ones that are going to yeah. take this fight forward. So anything that we can do to try and connect them on that journey, um, yeah. is and really, think really was, important.
5: And that's what we were trying to do also. It's not that, um, it's to give these children the platform. So what we did as a project with the documentary film. It wasn't just about us the team it was to kind of show no it's not us it's you're the next generation this is where maybe it's going to hit hardest and you've got a voice we're giving you the platform to tell the story and even Cameron who's a great filmmaker and he, and, and a musician as well in his own right you know even as how he was setting up the footage it was to kind of bring it down to his level the camera was down low it was about the children for fil- Filling out that screen. It's not like we're projecting down. They, you know, it was just, it's they have got centre stage here. We're listening to you. What have you got to say? And the absolute gems that came out was just mind-blowing. It was just incredible.
0: You know, I, I watched that film and I was so in awe of the, the some of the messages that, that children were sending leaders about their concerns about us not taking enough action their worries about climate change expressing some of those those concerns and worries and the gaelic language it yeah. was just
5: so beautiful because then then we did another kind of because there was a documentary and then what we felt was another just sideline was that we didn't want it just solely focused on the central belt we wanted to get some key messages from out with around Scotland and we worked with another four other schools to who are based in the Gaelic language you know to give voice to some of you know their concerns and wishes but you know every area had a very different perspective you know there was north east up in the western isles and they're on the fringes of a kind of this a changing climate and, you know it's quite sobering and it doesn't take too long to kind of realize the gravity of like low-lying coastal communities like the western isles and what they will soon face so the children had a very different perspective on it than somebody who that was based in glasgow but equally they've got um everyone's voices are equally important so we worked with north east inverness edinburgh and glasgow and bringing some of them and then the cultural references that is like Gaelic as a traditional language is rooted in the natural world is it kind of they've got great describers of your landscape you know it's you know it's just lost words that we were not you know that we we're not cognizant of how the value of that is and it's kind of the prison to kind of look to in the past to understand where we're traveling to in the future but it's you know it's I think you know in that um I, uh, Chebby, that, and that kind of talk that I went to at the New York Climate Hub, you know, she's a Tunisian activist and she was quite rightly saying, you know, we need a 21st education for the 21st problems. And it is something to do with our identity and how, you know, it's rooted into kind of our land and our culture and, and our Indigenous past and our communities and what they have got to say as, as, you know, pearls of wisdom, to guide us through these challenging times. And I and I think it's also how we need to be connected also as a global community as well, which is valuable. We were always just so impressed by the kids, just they'd want to us, make us laugh and cry in equal measure. Do you know what they had to say it was so powerful? It came from the gut. It was so, they're just so, like you said, so emotive about what they said. They're so clued up. You know, they're really savvy about what's going on. It's somewhat kind of, you know, you just don't want to have that whole weight on their shoulders, you know. And I think what we wanted to do as a project is to kind of lighten the load a little bit and and say that, you know, here's something that we can all do together that's positive and you can create a kind of a living legacy for COP26 that's truly your own. Well, I
0: hope that anyone listening to this who might be working in schools will be inspired by it and will think about perhaps creating other children's woods.
5: Yes, exactly. Yes, definitely. Because anyone can take this and, and call it their own. I think that was the beauty of the project because we never and that was deliberate, like the building it as a Glasgow children's woodland nobody was fronting this this was truly for the kids of Glasgow and you know that's what it's all about is people can take ownership of this in any community and make it their own and reach out and for because there's a great community out there that will want to help and make a difference within every community. Thank you so
0: much, Alex. It's been
5: absolutely fascinating and so inspiring
0: to listen to the work, listen to you tell us about the work of the Lost Woods. Well, I hope our listeners will agree that this has been a fascinating podcast. I would just like to say a big thank you to the staff and children at CADA Primary School and Alex McKenzie at the Lost Woods Project. Hope that you'll look out for Future Cities Podcast on the Buzzsprout feed page. But in the meantime, bye for now.
3: The Future Cities Podcast is an outreach effort brought to you by the Urban Resilience to Extremes Sustainability Research Network, or UREX, as we usually refer to it. To learn more about UREX, visit www.sustainability.asu.edu forward slash urbanresilience. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at futurecitiespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at futurecitiespod. If you enjoyed the
0: episode, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.